0: Ready, set, go!
1: hey what's up y'all we back for another episode of ready set go so we in the building y'all know who it is this is man jay gatt coach Gat now in the building and you know over here to my right the infamous. Will Collins. You know what time it is, baby.
0: Fast you, know what time you it in the is. building, man. Yes,
1: so usually it's a dead time for track and field, man. Like, usually everybody's on vacation doing their thing. High school kids starting to kick up. You know what I mean? The indoor season's about to start. But usually on the professional side, it's usually very quiet, right? hmm But there's a lot of talk going on lately about a lot of people switching sides. It's almost like the NBA right now. It yeah, like it is. People are switching sides in a matter of years. So who we got on the list? We got, we got Curly. We got Andre, mm-hmm. we got Jacobs, O'Manyala. yep yeah, um, Dina, Asher Smith. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Who's yeah. she with now? She's in Austin, bro. She the Street.
0: Oh, she okay, good. She the yeah. Street. That's from what's us. up. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah, Tanja.
1: Oh, Tanja. She with Flow. I think Flow. Yeah, oh, yeah. She yeah. with Flow. With That's flow. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, what you um, what's your thoughts about all this? That's this because this is a big switch. Usually, is like. The athlete switch is like maybe two athletes now mm-hmm. the whole track and field mm-hmm. world that that we that we look at, right? But now it's like five, six, seven almost, man.
0: I think you know, it's a very interesting thing for certain individuals. Oh, we forgot about DeGrasse.
1: Yeah, Andre. Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Andre's too as well. So I think, you know, I'm gonna use de as an example. That that'd be that my answer. My answer would be this. For certain individuals, it would be very successful for them to make a switch right now. Because some of the coaches that they're switching to may offer them an aspect that they may have needed, that may have been the the most deficient thing in their race or the, or deficient thing in their style. So I think that what I think that may be the the look that they're looking for. I guess you know to get something more than what they've had in the past, as far as getting something a different a different perspective being focused on. Yeah. Um. Some individuals are known to train a certain way. have certain strengths like certain coaches have certain strengths like some coaches are very technical coaches some coaches are more like workout based or strength based like base training type strength base where they'll get you really conditioned really physical so some people will go there to just go to get that portion set up for themselves for that part of their career so this is a very highlighted time so
1: you're saying athletes should be aware of what part of their career they're in then because a coach can get you to a certain level but can't get you to that next level that you're truly desiring. And that may need a transformation between you, a partnership or either finding another realm to go to.
0: Right. Plus you might need to train with certain people. I think, you know, some people can train alone, right? Some people can't. Some people need multiple individuals to press them in the first 30 meters. So it's like hurdles, right? Yeah, the hurdles have to train with other hurdlers in decent range of each other to allow them to have that, that feel of hurdles crashing next to you while you're you're executing your race model because that's the true essence of what's going to happen, especially in the pro ranks, yeah, because yeah. The, the the races are so tight, you know. Yeah. So these things are like maybe not spoken of, but you know that's part of it. You know, what I mean, it's just well, the best of the best, usually sharp iron sharpens iron type.
1: What else for me when I when I came? to Orlando. I first trained with Brooks, Brooks mm-hmm. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Brooks Johnson. Shout out to Brooks. And um, OG in the game. Yeah. So. Legendary. Legendary. True and at that legendary. time he was priming with David Oliver. That's when David was on his 12 eights. That's when Joe Brown was there. That's when Dwight Thomas was shout there. Shout out to Joe Brown. Dwight Thomas, shout out. Mm-hmm. Novaline Mills was out there as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and Tiffany Ross as well when she was still doing the 400 hurdles, mm-hmm. man. So we had a, we had a really dynamic group, man. Um, me being there, I realized that I wasn't going to get the training that I desired or needed. It got me to a level I had no one to train with. I had no other sprinters, you know? So we mm-hmm. had to outsource to try to find somebody I can e- either train with who couldn't really keep up. You know what I mean? So you just, you dipped? I, well, I mean, I don't want to say I dipped, but I had to make a trans- It sound like you dipped. I had to make a transformation, dog. That sounded like you dipped. I don't know. Well- I had to sit down with Brooks and that's what I did. Man to man, I mm-hmm. said, hey man, you know, what I'm looking for, you know, we we achieved. We ran 9-9, nine, nine. Mm-hmm. we got to, uh, we made the uh, the world championship team in Daegu, mm-hmm. right? But at the end of the day, I was like, I need more. So I need to have a training hey, so partner. So sh- he, he, he
0: wasn't mad though?
1: No, he wasn't mad. He understood. Brooks is a pretty, pretty fiery man. But you know why though? Because I expressed to him before I wanted to exit, I expressed uh-huh. to him what I needed which was we tried to find someone I can train with. And nobody would pull up. And no one was pulling up at All that right. point. You remember, I was A, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was toxic back then. Yeah, yeah, they didn't like you. you wouldn't want to yeah, touch yeah. me with a 10-foot pole. That's facts. That was you know me. what I'm saying? Yeah, so on. I had to get out the mud. Makes, you know? sense. So, Makes sense. I mean,
0: with that being said, though, like, you know, and this is me talking to everybody here, and he knows it too a little bit. In the game of track and field, they're very uh, territorial about their athletes. Would not you say that?
1: Yeah, I would say so. So,
0: so, but the fact, and this is highlighted towards pro athletes and towards just individual approach, tr- professional track game period. The way that you conducted yourself and the way that you communicated with your coach and you were able to articulate your needs and that your needs weren't being met, allowed the coach to, to reflect and say, you know what? I can respect the fact that he's looking out for his best interests yeah. and it would be me hindering him and make me look like a bad person amongst a solid circle of people. I think that's the position you put him in because of the great communication that you had, and that really highlights you. And that's me giving you love and showing you love as a as a professional. That's professional behavior. That's how you conduct things with a
1: coach, so you can eventually. Because you ended up going back to him, didn't you? I did, but you see, that, let me get to that part of that yeah. story too. So I went back to him, right? But it, you was able to though. I was able to, and this why yeah. because at the beginning I couldn't pay him, and I yeah. came to him, Brooks. I like, man, I can't pay you right now. He says. Train with me. Yeah, You train with me, I'm going to know that you're going to get to a certain level. I know that, after that when you get to that level, you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. And he was right. So at the end of the day, before I left, I made mm-hmm. sure I wrote him a check in full with incentive. Mm-hmm. Like, And I was able to, he said it, he's like, you know why I picked that nigga back up? Because I he paid me my money and he stayed true to his word. That's right. And everybody who know Brooks, that's how he talk. Yeah. And that's how he that's, is. He's real. And
0: he keeps it real. That like, he keeps yeah. it real. He keeps it extra real. If people don't know Brooks, that's, he ain't playing with you. Gonna be a bunch of niggas and and, and cussing.
1: <laughs> so, so what do you feel about all right? DeGrasse and Jacobs, they he DeGrasse back with Ryan, uh, yeah. Raina.
0: I see no Anson's page. Shout out to Anson Henry. Shout out, shout out, shout outs. Um, but um, he was saying like, oh, it's the Avengers, cut, you know. He, he said this. So, Avengers I, assembled. That's what he said. I, and I'm going to be real. <laughs> so, if he, if y'all are the Avengers, then I guess no allows a stand on saying y'all didn't got clicked up to try to fuck him up, right? That's what we're, that's at. What it that's like. we're at, right? That's what
1: it seems like. That's what it seems like. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I'm here for it, though. So, he got yeah, yeah. the Infinity Stones, right? He got the Infinity
0: Stones, right? He just crushing them. He's, he got
1: three of them. <laughs> <laughs> he got three Infinity Stones right now, though. He's, he's a current yeah. champion, dog. Yeah, he's a man, man to beat.
0: Man. So, look, I mean, it's crazy that people are coming, uh, you know, like this to try to go against the man. And I like it. I think it's positive. I think that, you know, they made the right move because he ran better with Reyna anyways. You know, he has some technical things that he needs to work on. Reina's a, a technical coach. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean.
1: Yeah, Reyna right? knows, knows how to coach Andre. Yeah. Reyna knows how to coach him,
0: you know? He does. He and, does and, know how to coach him. I yeah. think it's going to be positive. And, and for everybody else coming with him, I think him being on top of his game and then them going and being in the same atmosphere is gonna help them too, yeah, because they can feel where they're at, and then everybody there is in a similar range because most of these guys are nine eighty low guys nine seventy available guys yeah. I mean by nine seventy something I mean nine point seven something <clears throat> for me watching nine point seven is not always available, yeah. for everyone, you know what I'm saying, yeah. but yeah. these guys have that availability where they can actually do that,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, I like it. I want to see, I want to see them iron sharpens iron. You still got Bracy there. You still got Trayvon there. Mm-hmm. So now Andre's back. We saw how they was cooking when all three of them were together. Mm-hmm. Now you're bringing in Jacobs. Man, this is like an NBA team, dog. Like these boys, they come in with the star, you know, like the star-studded real camp. I, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I think this that's is, pressure right there. Yeah, it's not Imagine been... what they're going to do in the 4x1 during like Florida relays or Texas relays. They could really put some real some times down. But, but, this but saying, y'all know how Canada is. Y'all not going to let Andre run other, any other relay except Canadian relay. So we know anybody waiting for this, this uh, quad to come together to run a crazy time, it may not happen. So don't hold your breath.
0: Factual, factual. But I think this is cool because we've not seen this type of um, collaborative sprinting in camps done since HSI. You know what I mean? And True. And, and people like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they were a powerhouse, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I think that's that kind of stuff is, you know, brings a lot of traction, attention. And if they do it right, it's going to help not only them, but the sport. And it's going to build more fanfare for the Olympic season and and people are going to be more interested in what's going on because it's like you almost have teams that you're rooting for and people who are working together, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Curly, Curly moved too, man. He's over there back. He's over there. Well, not back. He's with Quincy Mm. over at UCS, right? Yeah, Yeah. USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, USC. USC. Yeah,
0: yeah, USC. So, yeah.
1: So does that look like you think that like Fred's gonna just stick with the four, or he's gonna no is he gonna run the one?
0: I mean, I mean, I put you this way. I do have a clue. That's not true. I'm good friends. Remember, uh, um, Coach Goodman's there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Melissa Jefferson's coach, and then Joanna Hayes is there.
1: Yeah, you get what I'm shout saying? out to Joanna. Yeah, man. shout we out to on, all of them. My first Olympic team was with her, man. Yeah. So this, this is shout all the game. Shout
0: out to Quincy. Shout out to USC. Yeah. Shout out to everybody. I got, I got kids. I got a kid over there now. Much love to them. Yeah, yeah. I have a few kids that went there. Um, man, I think he, they have the spectrum of coaching there. They have athletes that can run, like they have Rye there. You know what I'm saying? They have athletes that can run. Michael Norman back too. Exactly. So they have guys that can run 980 something. So he run a 970 something. He has them. And then they also run quarter mile training. Because what thing about, um, and this is what I was telling one of my athletes too. They that have to be deadly, though. They have to have quarter mile. Some people are made off of a certain style of training. He has to have quarter mile training to be good in the one. Does that make sense? Like he has to have threshold, like uh, not electric threshold, but more like specific endurance, special endurance style training. That helps him become faster for the one and two. It helps him. So they have to have someone to
1: train who can push him that far.
0: I think he felt that he wasn't getting pushed that far because he was training, I think, individually with by himself most of the time. Yeah,
1: I would consider him more of a journeyman. He was with Fransique, Coach yeah. Fransique, and then he'd go down to Miami to Joey. So he would get kind of patchwork training, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it helped him to a certain extent, right? So that it probably made him feel normal, be able to train and do stuff like that. I know he trained for like almost a month in the Bahamas one time. Mm-hmm. But um, I like that duo, dog. Michael Norman who didn't have a great year last year at all. Um, and then Fred, who didn't have a great year this year also. Them coming together, they going to feed off each other, dog. Mm-hmm. Like they, they going to come out there look that 400, that 200, that combo, man, it's, it's going to be, be crazy, crazy dog. Yeah, it's going to be, gonna be crazy.
0: crazy. It is. It is. I yeah. think I think it's a good choice. They made yeah, a good choice. The
1: 200 is going to be crazy next year. It's going to be exciting to see.
0: And you got the best guys, orange, iron sharpens irons. You got the best guys putting it down. So I like it. I think it's going to be a dope choice. So, I mean, the basis consensus of what I'm saying is in the game of track and field, in the youth frack faction, and people who are laymen who are not in the track and field space, they often find it to be a gang affiliation. Like, oh, you're training with this person, you're training with that person, you know, and they make it really like, really, it's like gang wars. It's
1: like gang wars. I've been a part of that, dog. Yeah. I know exactly what it feels like. Yeah. When I was with Dennis, you know what I'm saying? We was team Nike and we shared the same track with um, Lance mm-hmm. and Tyson at the Adidas, time yeah. and they were team Adidas. And so we was on the same track, trained at the same time. They was across one side of the hood. We was on the other side of the hood. So you're, it was like Crips and Bloods, dog. Cause mm-hmm. you felt that energy. You felt that energy. Like I can't go this far around the mm-hmm. track or I can't do this. Or you got to tighten up when you running mm-hmm. on their side of the mm-hmm. track. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It showed no weakness. So that feeling, when it stems down from maybe coaches that have some kind of beef against each other or static, and then you see that kind of energy grows within the camp, the camps, and then you realize, okay, like, regardless of where you train at, where you compete at in the world, if you see that other camp that's that rival camp, mm-hmm. you always gotta go for them, dog. You yeah. always gotta, that's who you really compete against, because you gotta take that pride or that loss back to the same city that you're in.
0: Yeah, I mean, for us as a coach, having that beef, for me, at least for me and you know Marlon and us coaching and all and Greg all of us we don't feel we don't feel that way you know what I'm saying yeah like I don't know how to explain it when I see a good coach I admire them you know I look at them I'm like yo you are doing really good and I like what you're doing and I, I'm glad because I'm you know it's a lot of time you put into this so if you're successful you're doing a lot of work you know and I respect that. So if I find somebody, you look more like a brother to me instead of looking like, you know, a problem for me or like you're cutting out my check or you're taking away food off my plate. I think that comes from, you know, lack. You know what I mean? For me, I know there's a lot of athletes here, a lot of different ways of getting to it. And if I see a really good coach and they've been doing it for a long time, I really want to know some things about how'd you stay so good for so long. And I I want to learn. I'm always always on an educational side. I want to be grown. I want to grow a lot. So I think that's a difference By between. How long
1: can you keep that educational side forever. When you reach to a, a a peak where now you your knowledge is competing with other people's knowledge. Well, my knowledge it is, is really my, my knowledge is competing
0: with other people's this, knowledge, and I feel but like what I'm saying
1: is really nothing. Maybe a tiny bit that maybe above you to where you putting it together. What I'm saying is like mm-hmm. when you look at someone like Coach, um, like Brahmin, mm-hmm. or you look at someone like Dennis right now, mm-hmm. or any other coaches out there, like you know. And even Gary, when they're at a level and they've won medals, gold medals, world championships, Olympics, things like that, there's not that much above you, so you're now starting to compete against the people who are your peers, like at a different level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I
0: think for me, competing on that level is not what we're on. You know what I mean? We don't. We think it differently. For me, it's like if I succeeded as a coach, I made that person a better person as an individual. Obviously, I made them better. Athletically, but man, then my my athletes ain't broke. I mean, you can clip that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My athletes ain't broke. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm. My my goal is is like I want my athletes to be able to have value that's gonna last longer than just their performances. So it's like they can run as much as they would like to, and they can continue to give back to the sports as much much as they like to with their value outside of just their performance. Now, if they fast, that's good. But what we doing with that fast is what, what matters to me. That's how I look at the true game, you know?
1: So you I, want to recapture the athlete's
0: brand because more or less. Yeah. I don't want to worry about competing with another coach for performance because like the reason why you have to sign with somebody or you have to have listen to somebody else is because that you don't pay yourself. You know what I mean? So like you're limited because somebody tells you what to do. They don't they're not gonna tell me what to do or tell my athlete what to do. We just run because we like to run and we go yeah. compete because we like to compete. Yeah. That's, we're doing it for the purest way of sport, you know? Yeah. And that's how it should be now. Every other sport is that way, like boxing. It's like that. They get paid, they get paid like hell. I mean, you ain't even got to be a real boxer no more to box on TV and get paid, paid. You know what Yeah, I mean? for
1: sure. So it's like,
0: yeah. that's what I'm getting at. We can create those type of events and we're doing that. We're going to do that, you know? And it's starting to happen. But I think that's the bigger focus. If you're a really good coach, what did you do for this person's lineage, their legacy, their lifetime, for their family? You know, that's what I look at it. Like, when I pass away, I don't need to have the accolade of, man, he made the most Olympians. I want the accolade of, man, he created the most amount of families to be successful. He's made a great impact on families. You know?
1: yeah, That's that's my tombstone.
0: That's what I look forward to as a
1: coach. I understand. I get that. I get that for her. Um, I'm curious to see how De- how Dina's going to really do over there with Flo, because we see him build sprinters. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never personally seen him, like... Um, have a sprinter come in who has already accolades and build from that and make them successful, you know. So I mean, Flow. Shout out to Flow, man. Sh- shout out to Flow for real. So you crazy.
0: You always you always talking crazy. Shout out to Flow though. Flow's a phenomenal coach, and this goes to different styles of coach. Like you know, Brooks is just he's a style of person, right? Yeah. A certain style, and everybody can't rock with Brooks. Flow certain style of person, different people. It's like different tools for different fools. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, some people are triggered and and alarmed by certain things by from certain people, and then some people are inspired, motivated, and catalyzed by certain people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same person get a different reaction from a different person. You know, so that's kind of how I look at coaching. And I think me and you discussed this before. When they make these coaching changes, it's not based totally upon just strictly the performance base of the or the resume. They know what they need as an athlete, and they know this individual can procure that out of themselves. Because when you get to a highest level, it becomes more of an internal, intrinsic battle, not it's just about training. It's mental, psychological. Yeah. You
1: need you need all of that covered.
0: Yeah. You need somebody that, that's exchanged. When you're the finals, that.
1: everyone's physically ready. Facts. It's cool. Like you, all that hard work you did, some seven other guys did that same job. Mm-hmm. Like now it's about. Making sure you get on that top three, that podium, like so, na- and that's going to take like mind and body and spirit. Like you got to be on a different level to be able to run through that traffic, Look, and you got
0: your coach got to be there with you. The same shit talking coach that you didn't like in practice is is the guy you rely on in that that moment. You mm-hmm. didn't do good, you know, and you got you just and you just barely made it into the finals. Yeah, that's the guy that you're going to trust when he tells you that you can do it, and you're going to do well because you trust that person because you know he ain't no bullshitter. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the relationship that, you know, top-level coaches procure out of their athletes, you know, where it's like it's a respect for the work, for the truth. They don't sugarcoat the situation. They make it for what it is, and they're there and available for that type of coaching. And that's what I think elite coaching is really about. It's more of a mental preparation through the physical training that you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got to give a shout-out to the coaches, man, because – me being around for the game for like 20 years, mm-hmm. I've watched how coaches operate. Mm-hmm. I watched the stresses that they go through. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of there's people at home, y'all don't realize that like coaches don't even have agreeable contracts with their athletes. So an athlete can be here today and literally be going tomorrow if they decide it. That's why you see a lot of these changes are happening and say, hey, I'm just going to get up and go. Cause it's actually just a, a really a, it's a gentleman handshake. You know, it's mm-hmm. a gentleman's agreement and you know, you can be banking on, from a financial aspect, you'd be banking on, um, let's just say, eight, ten athletes to give you a certain amount of money that's going to cover your year. And then all of a sudden, three of those athletes then dipped out. So now that's a blow to your finances as well. So it's like you have to be able to be loving the craft, have a passion for the craft, and realize that there's going to be so many ups and downs as being a coach that you just have to stay the course of whatever you're trying to coach and you know, you have confidence that it's going to blossom into something, something mm-hmm. special, you know? no, yeah, I agree.
0: I think coaching is, uh, coaching, successful coaching is only done through people who find love in what they're doing beyond the financial aspect of it. You know, I think it's, you have to become some find a balance, obviously, to be able to be, continue to do it as a profession. But I think the ones that really care are the ones that really succeed. Over time, long, longevity-wise, yeah, the ones that truly care for their athletes, because everything like in life it evolves, and so does your so does your athlete, and so does the sport, and so does the economy, and then usually those athletes that you used to coach end up becoming part of the sport in a different way that you going to have to be you have to deal with. So, and this sport is very small, man. Everybody knows everyone here. You you if you didn't done, done some stupid stupid yeah. foolery. We know about that. Everybody know about that. (laughs) You know, know,
1: I ain't going to lie, man. As a coach, I have my moments where I would be like, look, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, man, this athlete's career is in my hands, dog. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Because that's what you feel. You Mm -hmm. feel the fact that um, it's a very selfless job, Mm -hmm. selfless life, Mm because they don't realize, like, coaches are still coaching outside of the track, outside Mm -hmm. of the field. You are making sure your athlete's good. You making sure that your athletes stay healthy. You on top of that. You feel their pain. You know what I mean. You going through the process of recovery. You doing all those kind of things. And the only time the audience gets to see the coaches when they stand on the sideline mm-hmm. uh, in a suit or looking nice, or you know what I'm saying. So they be thinking, "Oh, they just they just corralling talented athletes." When in actuality, a really good coach is actually dedicated to those athletes, where in essence, a lot of people think that the athlete dedicated to the coach and the knowledge. It's mm-hmm. the other way around. You pour in and you're part of those athletes' life. So you got to take, if it's eight athletes, you're taking eight pieces of yourself and you put it into life and make sure they stay the path, stay the course, because physically they can get there. Mm-hmm. But we know that once once they're on that starting line and the gun's up and the gun goes off, mm-hmm. they need to make sure that they're doing everything they can do within the non-coachable moments mm-hmm. that you put into them.
0: No, I agree. I agree. I think it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to have that relationship and then to grow with athletes over time. Even if you leave, the athlete leaves you and you leave that, you leave the coach. I think that, you know, coaches who are mature enough to allow that growth to happen, you know, find a beautiful situation. You know what I mean? I'm good. We're good friends with, uh, and he's my mentor. Coach Anderson, who used to yeah, coach you, Vince, yeah. man.
1: Shout out to Vince, man. Yeah, shout
0: out. He's a wonderful person. Bro.
1: Made a listen, an amazing, amazing coach. Person. Bro. Yeah, amazing person. Amazing person. Amazing coach and yeah. person. Yeah, that's right. Human at. being, period, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Um, I was so lucky and honored to have such a coach like him in college. Mm-hmm. You know, a coach who wasn't about just the numbers. Mm-hmm. He really was about loving the process and mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that you love the process too, mm-hmm. man. I mean, he would put together binders mm-hmm. with like illustrations oh, yeah. and poses that's of like man. Carl and-
0: That's my man. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fight a
1: trajectory and teaching you like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? How many, how many seconds you're running per meter and all kind of wickets. Wickets, bro. Wickets. They did even like, have
0: wickets back then. That's yeah. what
1: I'm saying. Like he pretty much invented the wicket. He did.
0: Like, a, he did the yeah, man of wickets. Man. He's the legend of wickets.
1: It, yeah, man. So it's like- Having a coach like that and how I'm speaking right now is the fact of when you see there's a great partnership because mm-hmm. you create something that's beautiful and you remember that together because y'all go into battle together, man. That's what that is, you know?
0: And I, I try to reflect that with our kids, you know, and you work with our kids and I call them kids. We got pros and stuff, but whenever I talk, I say kids cause I'm getting older. So you know how OGs start to talk. Yeah. But um like for our athletes. You just see the relationship there. I mean, you were there with your with your son and my daughter was there and we got our pros out there training. And, you know, these kids grew up here and some of these athletes are new, but we do everything together. You know what I mean? We spend more time with each other than anybody else in the world. You know what I mean? Like, you, there, even if you have a relationship with your wife almost, we spend more time together, focused anywhere else, you know, than any, any other relationship. So I think people very much don't understand the intimacy that comes with that and then you you touched on it really well today which is that you know athletes often go through some stuff and it's their coach that they have to go through it with and that's the, the, the support system that you have and you as a coach it really for one reigns true to your character what happens in the hard times so when you lose when you're supposed to win when your athlete gets hurt, when they're not supposed to get hurt. I mean, these are the things that, that define the relationship between yeah. you guys. And um, for me, I'm I'm successful because of those things, you know? I think if I if I would consider myself successful, you know? And we like to do that. We like to make sure that the worst time, at least we're there for that. And if we gotta like separate, you gotta go. If I gotta kick you off the team, then I did it after you were healed or you're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't do things and leave people hanging. We don't believe in stuff like that. I think that comes from a place of family, a place of understanding the athlete deeper. It's not just about business. You know, when it becomes just about business, I don't want to be in that, basically. That's not the right, I don't think that's successful coaching either. That family
1: dynamic. Yeah, I think you have to have a
0: family dynamic. It has to be that, to be successful.
1: I mean, that's real. that's true. I agree with you 100 yeah. percent And I'm looking back out of all the coaches that I've had throughout the throughout my career. That's that's exactly what it was. It was a family dynamic. It has to you be. You had to open up your home, you had to open up your heart. You know what I'm saying? To make sure that those athletes felt comfortable, you know, and you understand the person you're taking orders from. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You because you're to the
0: person you're taking orders from.
1: Exactly. And there's gonna be times you disagree. There's gonna be times where you argue and yelling and say, I'm not gonna do that. Especially But you trust the man from an adult to an adult. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
0: You trust the man. So you, yeah. you trust the man. It's deeper than I trust what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The deliverer is is more than the message. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, the person that's delivering the word can deliver a bad message and then it'll be a good word. Yeah. Some,
1: <laughs> some of my most epic disagreements and arguments I've ever had mm-hmm. was with Dennis. Yeah. It was the fact that it was things that we may not have agreed upon, mm-hmm. but it also was the fact that we knew that what our common goal was, and our common goal was to be the best coach an athlete duo mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what we work towards. Mm-hmm. So whatever our disagreements were, we made sure that we set those aside and they were never were bigger than what the priority mm-hmm. truly is, which mm-hmm. is be successful on the track. Because we know that will fix everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's why we're here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that's true. Hey, y'all know what time it is. If you're not watching Ready, Set, Go, then you need to have your eyes on prize picks. It's a daily fantasy sports game. Rod, tell them what it is. Man, let me tell you how easy it is. Use our code GATLIN, head over to prizepicks.com, or download the app, and let's get it popping. At PrizePicks, you don't play against anybody. You play only against the Prize picks projections. You pick between two to six players, and you select either more or less against the Prize picks projections. And you know the best part about it? It takes less than 60 seconds to make your entries. Now, that's my kind of sport. You guys know I'm always flying with my eagles, but Prize Picks does way more than just the NFL. They do the NBA, track and field, and a plethora of other sports. Tap into Prize Picks, and with Prize Picks, you can win up to 25 times your money. You can turn 10 into 250, and you can turn 100 into 2,500. You get what I'm saying? Cha-ching! With our code Gatlin, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. That means if you put in $10 they'll put in $10. If you put in $50, they'll put in $50. But we all know you want to put in that $100. Go to prizepixcom slash Gatlin and use the code Gatlin for the first deposit match up to $100.
0: And at least to my other part, really good athletes make average coaches look great. Say that again? Really good athletes make average coaches look great or decent coaches look great, or moderately good coaches look great, or good coaches look great. Phenomenal athletes make good coaches look great. So what I mean by that is, you show me people who've taken people who haven't been good, shout out to Joel Brown, and make them into world-class athletes, now you're impressing me, right? But when you take people that's been fed to you year by, year by year by year, by the shoe company, by the school system, by, you know, by recruitment, whatever, or however you're doing this, right? You're not really. And people say that about me in past mm-hmm. University, like, oh, y'all just get fast kids, but you've been in our practice. We Everybody ain't fast at Fast shoe.
1: No, they don't start off that way. That show ain't. Late. They don't see, start off that way. Thank
0: you. Clip that. They don't start <laughs> off
1: fast at all. And you can see a change not even with days, I'm talking about within the hours of practice mm-hmm. you can see a change because the athlete has to be receptive to what the coach is giving them. And I think that's what it is. What happens is once you go higher, that, that connection becomes diluted. Mm. It becomes diluted because money's involved now. And pressure's now, involved and, and now. And now you can
0: leverage money and, 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 and flexing, right? You can flex on people and not have to have a relationship to acquire the attention and respect, right? Mm-hmm. Where the respect used to be reciprocal. So now the movements are different. So, like, I think that's the biggest change, you know. And I think that's the biggest difference between us right now is that the way we conduct business and training is very much similar. The training is based on accountability. And then the family style is hella accountability. Yeah. It's the same thing, but it's like the love is there, though. We care for you. That's why we keep you accountable because we don't want nobody to harm you. We want you to succeed. We got to win. We're trying yeah. to win. We're not trying to lose. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the wave. I feel like most coaches nowadays are not connecting. They're getting the job done, you know, and then they're clocking in and clocking out where connecting will allow you to do things that you never thought you could. And some of these people are going to coaches that they can connect with, like Bobby Kersey with Sydney McLaughlin. Mm -hmm. I think she needs a daddy figure. You know what I mean? OG, a father figure? OG pop pop. Okay. You
1: All know right. what I'm saying? Okay. I, I like my dad. My yeah, dad, yeah. my
0: dad's OG pop-pop. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And shit, I know how
1: that feels. I honor my, honor and respect. I call him, respect. I, I, yeah, yeah. I
0: call my dad at times when I was younger and when I was racing and stuff, when I was afraid and nervous, because OG pop-pop had something for me. And then I would run decent, but uh, hell I got through it because OG pop yeah. pop told me, hey, just come off and do this. You know what I'm saying? Shit, I don't know what it was, the way he was hitting me with the conversation. That shit had me right. The word give me power, dog. Had me right. You be like, oh, I can do this all on, dog. He the first one I call. You know, I get off the track. I'm like, hey, hey, did that shit, OG, you know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm getting at, that relationship and the, the, the respect for his word, right? So I think that's what, you know, the pro game and a lot of the higher level of coaching, it's really relying on having a relationship to where the coach, I mean, the athlete can believe in themselves because you believe in them and you're not going to lie to them and trust your word so much that when it gets to a heated moment, you say, you're going to be able to do this because of this, they will believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they would know if you couldn't do it, they would be like, I don't think you're going to be able to do it, but you might be able to pull something off. Yeah. They'll tell you the truth. Yeah. That's the kind of coach I
1: like to have. All my coaches have been like that except for one. Okay. Who was who was lying to you? Uh, Seagraves. <laughs> But that was for me though, That's true. and I'm not saying that C grades have not been successful no, for no, other no, athletes but in the T's past. Not help, it wasn't even lying to me. Far it was the fact that I think because when I came back into a sport, uh-huh. um, I was in Atlanta and I was around 2008 and nine, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And going into ten, so I was back competing, and he was going to meets with me. It's like that, but I felt like it was, and 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 I realized when you're a successful coach, you've been a successful coach for a very long time success doesn't hit you the same way anymore, right? So um, I felt like he was just there for the check. It was just like when someone's watching from a distance and then you realize when someone's standing shoulder to shoulder with you going through everything. And I felt like with him, it was he was watching from a distance. Like it was almost like, is there proof in the pudding? Are you really that good? Or are we just watching the shell of a man who once was Justin Gatlin and now he's back trying to compete? And it was just that feeling and that energy that i was getting from that right um we never had any disagreements we never had any fights but it was just the energy that i kept getting from it Mm. and i think that i needed as what i needed what i needed for a coach i needed someone that i feel like i was going into battle with
0: and that's the key yeah you got to go to battle with somebody you know yeah because being a sprinter is a lonely feeling it's like fighting you know and you're gonna go there by yourself and every day you're in a lane and you're by yourself and every day you're in your head and you can't breathe and your your legs burning and your hips are tight and your hamstring feel like it's about to pull. All this stuff you feel, it's all psychological. It's all real though. So like when you have a coach that's with you, talking you through it, walking you through it, and, and, you know, encouraging you through it, you know, and then, you know, being there for you, it allows you to go more. And then even when, i give you examples, like, and I'm going to give you some examples from my father. My dad uh, would like just pack the truck up early and just had a food ready and just have stuff ready. So when I got to practice, I felt like, man, this man that did all this preparation, mm-hmm. man, let me not, let me put on the show. Let me do something that's worth all this work that he done put down for me. This man, I'm, you know, I got to do better. I got to do, I got He didn't put some professional work down. I got to yeah. put some professional work down.
1: I believe in that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's especially how my high school coach was for me, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know nothing about pace. I didn't know nothing about times. Mm-hmm. He would come up to me at, 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 uh, at the meet, just look me in my eyes, grab me by my shoulders, and said, you know what? Today, today you're going to run 36 in the 300. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd look at him and be like, okay, coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I go out there, try hard as hell to run 36 uh-huh. Uh-huh. just to make sure I I I, I was just hitting the standard mm-hmm. of his approval. That's right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's where track really got fun for me it was the fact that for me, I could go out there and just do okay and I'd be, like, I'd be cool with it. Right? That's just Justin. But then Jay Gatt morphed into like this I got to honor, you know what I'm saying, my master. I got to honor, if I'm a samurai, like a warrior, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to feel like. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I come home with the victory. Mm-hmm. It was nothing bigger, and even the gold medal, it was nothing bigger than watching him have pride mm-hmm. as a coach. Because- X. He was there with you every day in the, the trenches. Facts. He was with The cold you. days, the too hot days, mm-hmm. the rainy days, mm-hmm. the thunder and lightning days, mm-hmm. the times where you couldn't find where you where you gonna work out at, where you mm-hmm. gonna train at, right? Mm-hmm. Where you had to bounce from track to track. Mm-hmm. That's the same dude's been with you all this time. Mm-hmm. So nothing trumps that, Doug. No, that's real. That's a that's what real coaching's about, man. Right? That's I what agree. it's about.
0: I agree. Yeah, that's what I love about this sport. And that's what I love about what we do, you know, even at the highest level, it's just that. It's just that, just like boxing, bro. It's two men fighting with a whole team behind them trying to prepare them for this battle, for this war. And these two men represent families and represent a whole bunch of families. You know what I mean? And that's similar to training. Yeah. Like we train, like, you know, you're training, we're training together. It's our first year training pros. And it's like the athletes that we take on, they're gonna be representing us. They're gonna represent the, you know, the unlimited. They're gonna be representing what we do, you know? Yeah. So it's like, we want to give it our best. We want to make sure that we're trying our best and then making sure that our athletes are feeling covered in moments where they might fall low. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the key for us. We don't even look at the numbers at this moment. I look at the experience. It's like, we're going to get there anyways. We're successful individuals. We're going to, And we've been seeing success in what we're doing and everything we've done. We're only going to become more successful when we find ourselves to be fully invested in the individual, as a team, as a family, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the real success, I think, over time because we're good at what we do.
1: Period. You make a home. Make a home and make You're going to do thing, well, man. yeah. You're going
0: to yeah. do well. You thrive well when you come to bleed in a place that's going to nurture you and you can feel free to be yourself and make a mistake. True. I think most people don't feel comfortable enough to make a mistake. And that limits you as an athlete. Yeah. You know, as an athlete, you have to, you know, especially in sprinting, you've got to take motherfucking risks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Excuse my language, but you're going to take risks. Yeah. And shit, you may miss, you know, you may lose because of this risk, but that's how have you become great. It's not about not taking the risk, but you have to be in an environment where you feel comfortable enough to be able to take that risk. And that only comes from a place where people care for you because they're going to let you make mistakes.
1: Do you think that's what unifies all great coaches from different sports, from football, basketball, baseball, track and field, everything. When you talk about good coaches and coaches that stand the test of time, Mm -hmm. or is that that same kind of energy you feel?
0: I think some coaches are good at managing good talent and they've been successful over time because they just had a lot of systems in place to Mm -hmm. help them manage, right? So that's one. Yeah. It's one type of success, right? But see, how do you define success is what we have to ask the question of. And from my definition of success, is not that type of success. my success is based off of how many people's lives did we change in the process for a long term basis that were involved in the process of this athlete mm-hmm. along with that yeah so his yeah. family, the coaches that was with us, the trainers that was with us, everybody involved I want to see how much of an impact did we make in a positive in that range. So it's the whole ecosystem that I'm focused on instead of just the athlete. It sounds crazy and people may not like what I'm saying because they're like, damn, you're not athlete focused. I think that if I'm environment focused, then the athlete is going to thrive. So I'm kind of like, I'm trying to get the place right for the athlete. So they feel comfortable. So sh- ain't so no abstain. excuses. Yeah. yeah. So now it's like if you fuck up, bro, that's all it's you. All you, you know what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. You got to talk to yourself. You got Justin here. Shit, <laughs> you got you got the, the recovery here. Yeah. You got the 1080 here. You got the we got
1: everything. You got you.
0: HBO here. You know what I'm saying? Like you got everything. You
1: know you got money. Yeah. You eating healthy. You know? But sometimes I feel like that be that's the distraction. All those things you say right now but, have been distractions for athletes. It's like it's like almost like a double-edged sword. It's like you work for those things, and yeah. then when you get them, you don't know how to operate with those things. But can I tell you the truth? In this sport, it's grassroots,
0: right? So there's got to be a little bit of like getting it out the mud, but the recovery stuff, that's high tech. Yeah, the higher level of technology of recovery, we got to get it. Oh yeah. Also, the technology of sprinting has increased, so the 1080, us being able to tow and do max velocity runs without having to actually make the max velocity allows us to do more reps, right? Yeah. That's just science, bro. If I can do that much more of that type of exercise, I'm gonna be better at that concept of training because I have more access to that without being in physical harm. Exactly. So. What I'm getting at is
1: we- It's really training the body, not taxing the body.
0: Exactly. So what I'm saying is, is that you can never ignore technology. We can't ignore that there's levels to the game for that level, but you're right. I'm not talking about being pampered. I'm saying that if there was an ability to increase recovery, if there's an ability to make the process go faster so we can do more work, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm getting. I'm actually trying to get to more work. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I'm trying to get to more other work that we can work on because there's always something else to do. I just focus on this because this is more important right now. But if that important t- stuff is taken care of more efficiently, I can now do, I can now do something else that I need to work on too. And that's how that's, I look at this.
1: See, a lot of people don't think like that. Well, a that's lot of people how I look like at that. like list one, two, three, four, five. That's what we need to get done. All mm-hmm. right, cool. We we actually found something that's going to get everything done a little quicker. So now we just have time just to chill. This, see, and then I want to. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you. I'm ADHD, and me and you very similar. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even like that. I'm gonna die doing something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One
0: hundred percent. One hundred percent. I don't know what it is. Dog. Yeah. I'm gonna be doing something, dog. Yeah, probably something I ain't should be doing, but that's probably yeah. why I die. Yeah. <laughs> but you hear what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be moving, bro. I like to get in the mix, so like I don't try to get free. I try to. If and if I'm getting free, I'm trying to do something else. <laughs>
1: What's rest,
0: huh? Yeah, What's rest? Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to get into something else. So, like, nah. I mean, I'm at practice now. You came to practice with me today. We had one athlete, which is, I mean, I'm going to be very frank with people. I'm going to look you in the camera. I don't do private sessions. If I ever did a private session with you in the last three years, I love you. Love you, okay? Because I got ADHD, bro. I don't, you don't need all this on you. It's a lot, a lot of attention. Yeah. It's like a thousand minds on you. You know what I'm saying? You don't need that. And it's yeah. not necessary. So, I, for me... Me and you were training, we had a good time, but I was focused. I got to see what we needed to do. We took care of that. We adjusted for the weather, it got rainy. I'm making mid-moment adjustments. That's natural though, because for me, I like that. That stuff is engaging to me because I find that to be a craft. I find that like, man, shit, this is what I do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I want to see how much better I can be at this every single time. I never sleep on it because I've seen people fall off, bro. I've seen the best coaches in the world. I've seen the best singers in the world fall the hell off. And I don't think it's sexy. That's the most unsexiest thing. You used to be the man, homie. What happened to you? That ain't me. Mm -hmm. I'm still the man, homie. What happened to you? Yeah, yeah. that's me. That's how I move. I don't like that. And it might be my psychology. It might be my problem. It might be an ego thing or whatever one people wanna say, but that's my double-edged sword. Because I have a fear of falling the hell off is the reason why I stay the fuck on
1: yeah you gotta stay on dog period and that's, that's how it is for me it, throughout my whole career it was the same way <laughs> yeah I trained so hard yeah. there'll be times where we we be training I yeah. go to the gym and I would everyone would leave the gym I would circle back to the gym yeah. to do more extra work because I felt like you know what I'm gonna make sure I can't fall and off. you would've
0: been kicked off my team because you, you insubordinate look at you hey yeah, I, I, I had to do what I had to do I like you though
1: <laughs> I had to do what I had to do
0: though. I like the energy though, that's my style. I like that. I had to that. do what I had to do. Hey, I, 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 I've been through so many colleges and portals because, before the portal ever existed because of that style. You feel me? <laughs> I like the energy.
1: Hey, it could be worse. I could be somewhere else doing something bad. Hey, dog. you
0: successful though, bro. You know, you showed Kissed it and you proved gym. it. You, yeah. you proved it though, bro. Yeah. I think the difference is when you prove it to them, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a proof it type person like you are, right? So like all that worked. Yeah. People ain't willing to do the work, and then die on the sword that they that they wielded on people. You got to be able to die on that same sword that you wielded on people, right? That's facts, and that's what I believe in. Like if I'm coming out here throwing the sword around, I'm going to die on that sword as well. Like if I made a mistake and I'm wrong I lost, nigga, because I chose these losses. Mm-hmm. I told the kids the other day. You saw me at practice, and people, if you see the marketing, I'm a nice guy. You know, I'm a positive person, but I do keep it accountable. These kids were in there smiling. And kiki ki and coo acting like, you know, kids ain't out here trying to run fast in the same city, in the same area. Yeah. So I just told them, I said, we've got these many weeks and the same people are going to pull up to me on the first meet after they ran like shit. And they're going to look up to me and say,
1: Coach, what did you see? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's how it be for real though. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm gonna be like, bro? Shit, I saw that shit two months ago. What you mean? Yeah, you was at practice and you wasn't looking like that. You wasn't focusing and asking me questions. You asking me questions now, right? Girl, please go get some. Did you get? Did you eat today? You, you hydrated? You got another run. <laughs> I'll see you on practice on Monday. And that's when we would talk about why you failed. But that's what these athletes need to know. When you lose in life. It's because of the decisions that you've chose to do. It's the habits that you've created. It's because you didn't choose to be disciplined. It's because you failed. Because you failed. You chose to fail. Now, some circumstances are because of systematic environmental situations. And even those are not excuses for the people like us. Yeah. But the people like us, right? Overcomers and successful people. We, we don't take excuses. We don't take environmental excuses. We don't take weather excuses. We don't take excuses. We find ways. We don't make
1: excuses. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's how I've always been operated to the fact of that. When it was my own demise mm-hmm. that made me fail, yeah, like that hurt more than losing to anybody. Dog. You know what I mean? Anybody, like I rather, I rather you know go when out you there. failed
0: though. You admitted to yourself that you failed.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did it. I'm man enough to say, you know what? Yeah, wrong. If I was on, if I was on my A game, yeah, and I just got beat, I just got beat. There it is. Like let's figure out, let's figure out how we get better. Let's figure out how we get stronger. But and this if, not if, cap. Yeah, don't let don't let Justin.
0: You know Justin is very polished. This ain't just polished Justin. This is this is the Ready Set Go podcast. <laughs> He's not capping because we asked him a question and we, was I ain't going to lie. We was low key fanboying a little bit because we love Justin and, as an athlete and we're very much in an honor and respect of what you've done. You know?
1: Appreciate it brother. Appreciate it.
0: But this fool ain't said nothing but, but the truth when I asked him, he, I was like, you know, man, did you feel like, you know, you, you know, when you lost and this and that, that and this and, and you know, how'd you feel about that? Man, I fucking lost, bro. What you mean? Like shit, that fool was better than me. That's What it was, and he just said just like that. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, and that's the truth, though. Like,
1: I, I can't, I took that same mentality that you find in when you find cage fighters, right? Yeah. The UFC, like, oh, yeah, they'll tell you straight up because they're they they getting knocked out. Nah. It's the fact that when you walk into that ring, it's like when you walk onto that track, there might be a percentage, there will make... be a percentage. Well, you ain't not make if it. you're going to lose, it depends on. How big that percentage is or how small that percentage is. But there's a percentage there that you're going to lose. And everybody can lose. You're going to lose. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to get burnt. It's all that, dog. It's something's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's the fact that you got to be ready on that day, on that moment, for those seconds. And you got to be on point. You Mm -hmm. have to be. And if you're not, then you just got to take your L. You got to say, hey, man, it wasn't my day. That's what it is.
0: I think most people don't don't have that mindset where they're able to do that, you know, even as coaches or just as individuals and people where they're able to just give up, you know, the loss. I'm gonna be honest with you, and it sounds great. Don't give me, I missed the podcast. My wife won't kill me. And the ladies I love won't kill me. <laughs> but women specifically, I don't feel like that being forthcoming about a mistake is is part of their culture or their natural way of doing things i think they're maybe the first to like truly apologize you know what i mean or something like that from a deeper place you know what yeah. i mean like like oh i'll take care of you i'm sorry or not do that again type situation yeah, right yeah yeah but to verbally say i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> never heard when that, that? that when no. is that That's no never Never, I love you, baby. Shout that's out to Shawna. Shout out to Shawna. Shout out to Janice. That's, the... that's a different language. Hey, dog. women, <laughs> when hey, sh- the young men that are watching this, hey, if you get, they ain't, they not gonna tell you sorry for nothing. Yeah. Nah, but they're gonna show you that they're sorry though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man.
0: <laughs> we about to be in trouble.
1: But at the end of the day, so. How do you feel is different since we're talking about the men and the women's side, mm-hmm. you know, apologizing and everything like that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel operating and, and coaching females? Because you do a really good job of getting females from the high school level to a college level, mm-hmm. right? So obviously you're connected with them from the physical aspect of coaching them. Yeah. But also you connect with them on another level. So to make them successful. Yeah. So explain a little bit about that too. I mean,
0: me working with females, I think it stems from, for one, my relationship with my mother. I grew up around women. My mom and then my sister. My dad was always working at you know as a military man. He was in the field a lot. Um, we were in Korea, and then my mom was around women, so she was. They would clean, cook, be around the babies, and you know. And my mom was at church, so I was always around other deacons and you know treasurers and just doing church work and women, predominantly mm-hmm. women, and um, me as a as a as a growing up my best friends were always females. Like I I can remember my best friend, my first best friend was a girl. My college best friend was a girl. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I don't know. I just find women to be a lot more intelligent towards the things that I'm used to being grown up around. Like my mom did clothing.
1: They're more in tune. They're more in tune with things that I'm like. You know what I mean?
0: I, I mean, people might say I'm a little feminine. I ain't really saying that. I'm just saying that, I find women to be more effective than men in certain ways that really help me become successful in what I do as a person. Because I think I'm a man's coach. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I'm very masculine, therefore I think women balance me, and then they fill in the spot that I'm weak. Therefore, I'm becoming stronger by being around them. I got you. So, with that being said, I had a lot of respect. I I had. I have a lot of respect for my mom, and I have a lot of respect for women growing up. And I also understood uh, qualitative understanding, which is women are stronger at understanding emotional qualitative things because they're meant to raise children. So they're more attuned to how the environment is and how a vibe might be or they have more intuition, motherly intuition. That's innate in their genetics, you know? So with that comes a lot of positive ways of coaching. And I've tapped into that side of it. And that's what I feel like separates me. Plus, um, I I like a lot of the stuff that they like. You know what I mean. Plus, I'm married to a black woman, and I train black women. I uh, mostly black women. You know. Yeah. So I know about the one be wet and wavy's. I know about the the the, the you know the <laughs> hair. You know what I'm saying? I know about what the they nails, going through. All the that. nails. Yeah. The nails. The music. Yeah. Ski. I know all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm I know what y'all on. You know, I I know how they getting down. Getting, you know, getting flued out. You know, I got the guys trying to holler at you.
1: I know all this. You know what so I'm saying? So you feel like you've gone from also being a coach to like a, a, a parental figure, like a father figure. Or, like, your or daddy, like a cool, I, a real cool uncle then. I'm not your daddy, bro.
0: I'm like your big brother and your uncle. All right, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I'll give you an example. And this is, this is more a test to my coaching. I'm... I'm not here to reprimand you, nor am I here to judge you. I'm only here to keep you safe. But, yeah, yeah. That's me. That's important. I'm not here to reprimand you. I'm only here to keep you safe. You know you're wrong. And you know that disappoints me. It has nothing to do with it. You called me because you needed me, and you know I wasn't going to do nothing about it but help you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I like to keep those doors open for my babies. You know what I mean? As my kids, you know what I mean? And especially my ladies and my guys too. You know what I mean? But I've had my kid, like my dude, my home, one of my guys got pulled over. Weed. charges. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, we figure out we to get out of that. You know what I'm saying? But he called me first. He ain't called nobody else. He ain't called mom and dad. He called me. Yeah. What I'm supposed to do? I'm like, dude, do this, do this, do this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Fix it up in here. Yeah, dog. Yo, yo, dog. I'm trying to get my guys bro, right, you dog. Take coach
1: to a whole new level, yo, dog. Yo, that's
0: my kids, bro. Man, I did it, man. Hey, they do stupid stuff. they yeah. they humans. They children. They are doing dumb things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I did some stupid stuff too. So i like, I let my kids know that once you cross that field of being a graduate, man, you were grown up to me, and I'm gonna kind of keep you in that place. I know you're still a child, but I ain't finna, I ain't finna daddy you. Mm-hmm. I'm not finna daddy you. I'm not your daddy, homie. I'm finna tell you like, yo, you messing up, and you may not be able to hang around us too much longer because you messing up. But I will help you when you call me though. Like if it's sketch, you can call me. I'm still, I'm still fixing it. But you can't come around these babies here because you ain't living like this. Facts. That's how we move here. Yeah. Accountability upon accountability is the key around here. You know what I mean? Even with me, if I'm off task, I ain't gonna lie. I done been a couple tired a few weeks ago, and I had to take, I had to take that day off. Because I wasn't going to supply these athletes with what they deserved, mm-hmm. so I had to, you know, call y'all and get people to fill in for me. That's that's, a, that's accountability, though.
1: Y'all so funny, coaches, boy, coaches. I gotta say, y'all. I'm saying as, as myself, I know that's going to happen for me as yeah, well. You're funny too. But the fact <laughs> is, like, let's, I'll give you an example. Like, like Dennis was so affected by like the Patriots losing. He loves the football team, the Patriots, right? Uh-huh. And um, he would come to practice. And we know if the practice, the Patriots lost mm-hmm. the night before, it
0: wasn't a good practice. It was
1: it was not going to be a good practice that next day. And we knew it. Mm-hmm. And we all would be like in a group chat, be like, oh man, you saw they just lost. All right, man, you better go to sleep. All right, good night. I'm going to sleep now because practice is going to be crucial tomorrow. But that's what it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I, I pride, I'm so proud of coaches and how they are able to leave certain emotions at the gate mm-hmm. when they come into practice, right? And sometimes it's just funny because you get to see a coach become a human too, mm-hmm. right? And you don't really get to see that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Hats off to the coaches, bro. Seriously, man. Shout out, man. Hats off to the coaches, Everybody that
0: coached me, shout out. Shout out to my dad, man. love you, man. Thank you.
1: For sure, man. That's another episode of Ready, Set, Go, man. We love y'all. Tune in for the next episode. We out.